0: Pastor Xavier Reese says the example parents set for their kids is caught more than it's taught. The sons of Jacob had picked up where he had left off the con artist.
1: But knowing he himself had been guilty of treacherous deceit to his brother, it was like he had no authority confronted. Fathers, you're teaching your sons by your example. Not so much by what you say, though that's important, by how you live.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When rearing children, parents would do well to remind themselves of the old adage, like father, like son. And as we'll see in the case of the patriarch Jacob's family, the deception that was sown early on with his brother Esau was reaped in a tragic way some years later with his own sons. Pastor Xavier draws out for us some very important simple truths from today's message, so let's dig right in. Genesis 34, we're going to look at verse 1 through 31,
1: and the message is entitled, Senseless Sin and Vengeance. What we want to do is examine the tragic grape of um, Dinah that led to the destruction of the Hivites here, which is unfolded for us in three movements. First, the defilement of Dinah. And the proposition, verse 1 through 10. Secondly, we have the deceit of the sons of Jacob in view of Dinah's defilement, verse 11 through 18. And then thirdly, the destruction of the Hivites due to the vengeance, verse 19 through 31. Now, remember that Jacob was supposed to go back to Bethel. He promised God. He did not. He's been here about 10 years or so. He's allowed his children to grow up in that environment. Children are children. You know what I mean? Okay? And um, Dinah's the daughter of Leah. She's probably about 16 to 17 years of age. She went out alone to observe his says here, to mingle with the young people of the land, the daughters of the land. This behavior of Dinah was contrary to the custom and without any doubt, like any other teenager, snuck off, did her own thing. Maybe she was even rebellious. We don't know. Notice in verse 2, Shechem became inquisitive about Dinah, and he was attracted to this godly woman. And not because she was godly per se, but she was good looking. Shechem was the son of Hamor, notice in verse 2, the Hivite, the prince of the country. Shechem saw her, notice in verse 2, and he took her and laid with her. Notice it goes right to the point, because he wants, the narrator wants you to understand how quick it happened. This was not a long romantic thing. And so it says, he took her. The word implies against her will. Therefore, he raped her. Shechem spoke kindly to the young woman then. Knowing what he had done, he spoke to literally her heart tenderly in an attempt to win her affection. Trying to patch things up here. In verse 4, Shechem petitioned his father then to arrange his marriage to Dinah. Verse 5, Jacob received the news of the tragic event. We are only told that he heard that Shechem had defiled Dinah, his daughter. We're not told how he heard, but we are told that Jacob was not bothered very much by it, which is kind of interesting. Now notice in verse 6 through 10, you have the callous character of Hamor. In verse 6, Hamor being a pagan, Had low view again, morals, as Shechem, his father, and he wanted to speak with Jacob himself. So Shechem uh, gets his father to speak to him, and we do not know how long after the sexual encounter this happened. We're not told that, but we can not ignore the personal interest of Hamor for his son. He has everything. He wants him to have one more thing. You know what I mean? The response of the sons of Jacob to the defilement of Dinah is given to us in verse 7. It's quite different from her father. Uh, The men were grieved, it says, which means to be pained and tortured at the dishonor of their sister. Exceedingly mad with feelings of retaliation. Now notice when you get to verse 8, the petition of Hamor from Jacob here, he uh, pointed out the desire of his sons uh, Shechem. The word but marks the sharp contrast between the incense state of the sons of Jacob and the pacified state of Hamor. Picture it. These guys are livid. These guys think he's conducting a, a, a car sales. There's no apology, no asking of forgiveness for the heinous rape. He asked for Dinah's hand in marriage. Please give her to him as a wife. They're bargaining, having the upper hand. You know why? They have Dinah at their house. Verse 26 tells us. She said, Shechem's house. The proposed compensation was their financial benefit in verse 10 and 11. And make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters to yourself. So you shall dwell with us, and the land shall be before you. Dwell and trade in it, and acquire possession for yourself in it. All this was adding insult to injury. The defilement of Dinah and the proposition was a senseless tragedy. Senseless. It leads to no good. Notice... The deceit of the sons of Jacob in view of Dinah's defilement comes next, verse 11 through 18. Shechem pleaded for Dinah, in verse 11. He addressed Dinah's father and brothers. Then Shechem said to her father and her brothers, he pleaded for their approval of his petition. Let me find favor in your eyes. The nerve of this guy, huh? Amazing. He allowed them to set the price for Dinah. And whatever you say to me, I'll give. Well, it was no big deal to him. The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and Hamor, his father. And the commentary is that they spoke deceitfully. The term describes the stealing of the blessing by Jacob from Esau. Same word in Genesis 27, 35. It is the same term used by Jacob when he accused Laban of deceiving him by giving him Leah on his honeymoon night in Genesis 29, 25. Same words. As all this is going on, what do you think is going on in the mind of Jacob? What goes around comes around. Wow. Their intent was to attend to the evil and recover their sister. Their mind was made up. Verse 14 through 15, the sons of Jacob proposed all the men to submit to the right of circumcision. The sons of Jacob used the covenant of God to deceive them. What a charge then, verse 14. They could not intermarry with the uncircumcised. And they said to them, we cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised. Isaac and Jacob both had to go outside to Mesopotamia to to obtain a bride. Remember that? They gave their reason, for that would be a reproach to us. God said, don't intermarry. But they're using holy things to deceive. And this, this is a real warning to all of us. There are many people who call themselves Christians or in the church will use the name of God, the things of God, and they rip people off and they are very deceitful. Be real careful. Be real careful. Don't ever think that if you get away with evil that God is pleased with you. You say, well, he hasn't done anything. Well, be patient. He'll get to you. He'll get to you. In no hurry. But don't mistake it as, as, as that he's pleased with you. Look at Verse 16. The sons of Jacob presented the personal benefit if they agreed. They're playing along with the game now. They could intermarry with each other. Then we will give our daughters to you and we will take your daughters to us. They would increase in power and wealth and we will dwell with you and we will become one people. Now, Jacob was the smaller of the people. Though he had everything by God and would be more in number in the future. The benefit was to the Hivites. Mark the wording. Verse 17, the sons of Jacob presented them the ultimatum. They used it as a bait. But if you will not heed us and be circumcised, then they used it to pressure them. Then we will take our daughter and be gone. They were successful in their deception. And their words pleased Hamor and Shechem and Hamor's son. Hmm. the heart of man is the source of all his problems as you know if you come to this ministry you know jeremiah 79 by heart the heart of man is deceitful desperately wicked above all things there's the problem the human sinful nature has the greatest capacities for evil top on the list is vengeance i love vengeance see you guys didn't know me in the world it's in our heart I'm a non-believer. Donna's my sister. You're a dead man. Hmm. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelry, of the like. Of which I tell you before, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Here's the key. Those who practice such things, if this is your form of lifestyle, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. If this is where you live, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You can go to church all you want because the rats in the cookie jar doesn't make them a cookie. If you practice, that's where you're living doesn't do anything for you. You will not enter the kingdom of God. Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, Says the Lord. This is the spirit control man. If you're walking in the spirit, let me tell you, you've got all the potential of these boys, but you submit yourself to God, and you say, Lord, you go before me. And you reckon that old man dead. You take his ugly head off. If not, you're dead. Hmm. The deceit of the sons of Jacob in view of Dinah's defilement was evil. Notice the destruction of the Hivites comes last. And is due to the vengeance. 19 uh, to 24, the entire male population was solicited to be circumcised. Verse 19, Shechem was not hesitant. Shechem was ready and willing. So the young man Shechem did not delay to do the thing, the thing circumcision. The reason was because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. This guy had it bad. The commentary on Shechem is valuable. Listen to it. He was more honorable than all the household of his father. And he, he was bad, but he was the best. And see, this is the compare. We always say, well, I'm not that bad. I mean, I don't, I don't beat my wife. I don't. Well, but what do you do? See, we always compare ourselves to someone who's worse than us, so we look up good, you know? <laughs> you take out the T-shirt you worked on in the yard yesterday, and you take out the shirt that you wore for two days. Well, compared to the one you worked in, the one you had wore for two days is, looks pretty clean. But it's not clean. You understand? Hamor and Shechem gathered all the men of the city, verse 20 and 21. They gathered them at the place of business and judgment in verse 20. They came to the gate of the city. They spoke to the men in their city. They were the leaders. They were the ones having the weightier influence. These guys know what they're doing. They presented the union of both people as a good financial venture in verse 21. They pointed out their present peaceful existence. These men are at peace with us. Ooh, they're set up. They don't know what's going on in the heart and the mind of these boys. Your lust, your greed will take your head off. You think you're in control. You got it wired. They acknowledge the sufficient size of the land for both to increase trade. Therefore, let them dwell on the land and trade in. For indeed, the land is large enough for them. And they presented the benefit of intermarriage. Let us take their daughters to us as wives and let us give them our daughters. And so in verse 22 through 24, Hamor and Shechem reveal the condition of the sons of Jacob. Now listen. The condition was a painful one. Only on this condition will the men consent to dwell with us, to be one people, if every male among us is circumcised as they are circumcised. You can imagine the face of all going, but before, he, he doesn't let time fly, the motive dangled before them was monetary gain. As soon as he said that, he went right into, will not their livestock, their property, and every male of their be ours? And they go, oh, yeah. Listen, pleasure over pain. Pleasure always wins out. Only let us consent to them, and they will dwell with us. They mention nothing of the rape or the incident of the marriage. They're presenting two different scenarios, one to Jacob and his sons, the other one to these guys. These guys are master politicians. The men all submit to the circumcision. All of them went out to the gate of the city. He did Hamor and Shechem, the son. Every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. And so the entire male population was murdered as a result, verse 25 through 31. Notice in verse 25 and 26, the perpetrators were two sons. The timing was well thought out. Now it came to pass on the third day when they were in pain, the most painful. These boys were familiar with circumcision. They knew when the worst was. The two men were two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi. Dinah's brothers through the same mother, Leah. Their crime was that each took their sword and came boldly upon the city and killed all the males. And they personally killed Hamor and Shechem with the sword, the edge of the sword, and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went out, in verse 26. She was there. These boys were ticked off. They plundered the city. The language of war, Numbers 31, Deuteronomy uh, 2. The reason... The others took part as given because their sister had been defiled. It's repeated over and over again. This was the whole motive. And they took their sheep, oxen, their donkeys, what was in the city, and what was in the field, and they took all their wealth. How many people lose everything because they gave into their flesh completely? These boys were merciless. The entire ordeal was grievous to Jacob in verse 30 and 31. Jacob addressed the two sons responsible for the heinous crime. Notice he confronted them as being responsible for future retaliation against them. He says, then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have troubled me by making me obnoxious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. He expresses concern and fear, and since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me, and I shall be destroyed, my household and I. Now, be careful of this. God had already promised Jacob that he was going to bless him and multiply and make him a nation. Okay? And yet at the same time, what God has prophesied, certain things will come to play no matter what happens. Okay? And you see a scenario here where the people of God are being ungodly. This is horrible. Does God just wink at it? No. You can commit things in your life, and you'll mess your life up, but you're not going to alter the ultimate purposes of God. You understand? So don't take the grace of God and think you can use it as a license to sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Perish the thought. How should we who are dead to sin live any longer, the written Romans says. Be careful of that thinking. He was innocent of the entire matter of this horrific crime. Jacob knew nothing, but knowing he himself had been guilty of treacherous deceit to his brother, it was like he had no authority to confront it. Wow. Interesting. Verse 31, Jacob's sons responded by attempting to justify themselves, but they said, should he treat our sister like a harlot? The sons of Jacob had picked up or he had left off as a trickster, the carn artist. Fathers, you're teaching your sons by your example. Not so much by what you say, though that's important, by how you live. Jacob had to have been thinking to himself, why did I not go to Bethel? Why did I settle here? Their children were exposed to all the junk close to there. In fact, Jacob condemned the treacherous act of these two when he's about to die in Genesis 49, 5 through 7. Listen to it. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they handstrung an ox. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. To the day that Jacob died, he held them responsible. The law of sowing and reaping is very, a very faithful principle. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he will flesh reap corruption. If he sows to the spirit, he will reap spirit, everlasting life. That's an absolute principle. We have to live with those consequences. The key is repentance, godly repentance, that you truly are grieved over the sin you committed, not just the consequence. And you ask God for forgiveness and then turn from your sin. The process is the word of God. The power is by the Holy Spirit. And the means is the grace of God. Listen to Romans 5.10. For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of His son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Now, God is sufficient for our sins. All of us were in the world, we did, said, and acted stupid. God forgave us everything, made us brand new. But you guard your new creatureness in Christ. Don't go act like you used to live. And don't do stupid things that you as a Christian have to live with consequences that you regret for the rest of your life, okay? That is far worse. Now, I don't have any problem with God forgiving whatever happens. But are you going to be yielding enough to grab a hold of the grace of God so you live victorious with all the baggage, with all the junk, you understand? The authority of parents in the home comes from God, but if the parent fails in moral or ethical areas, as their children. Their authority is weakened to confront their children. And they'll be the first to tell you, mom and dad, you do it. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, Jesus said in Matthew five sixteen. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believer in word and conduct, love, spirit, faith, and purity, 1 Timothy four twelve. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about walking in the spirit. We're talking about keeping your account short. We're talking about being wise, not the fool in Proverbs, but wise. Jesus said, "'You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit.'" Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father in heaven, Matthew 7, 16 through 21. Awesome words that come from the mouth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The destruction of the Hivites was due to treacherous vengeance. It's ugly. It's ugly ever-present there's not one person in auditorium that can escape it if they walk in the flesh our only hope is to walk in the spirit and be transformed over and over again the tragic rape of Dinah that led to the destruction of the Hivites has unfolded in these three movements for us the defilement of Dinah and the proposition was a senseless tragedy the seed of the sons of Jacob in view of Dinah's defilement was evil. The destruction of the Hivites was due to the treacherous vengeance. It's an interesting account that is put here in the life of Jacob. I don't think it's a mistake. I don't think it's a I think it's very purposeful. It's a strong warning to parents where you live, your supervision of your children. And it's a strong warning to young people, both male and female, You watch yourself. Your hormones are not Christian. And you be careful. Because I'll tell you what. You can't handle it. You really can't.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing to a close our study for today with some important warnings elicited from the tragic account of the defilement of Dinah that we find in Genesis chapter 34. Now, if you'd be interested in obtaining a full, unedited version of this message, we can make that available simple enough. The title to ask for is Senseless Sin and Vengeance, and everything you heard last time would be included as well. It's available on CD for only $4. Now, once again, you'll be asking for the message titled, Senseless Sin and Vengeance. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, it's helpful when you tell us the call letters of this station when you do contact us. Well, don't miss the next encouraging edition of Simple Truths when Pastor Xavier Reese brings more sound teaching from the Word of God.